Hi everyone, this is Jessica Chen and you are listening to the Communicating Confidently podcast. Each episode is meant to teach and inspire you to find new ways to level up your speaking skills. Because here's the truth, it's possible and I'm so thrilled you're here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the follow button and share this episode with your friends and family. Now let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Communicating Confidently podcast. Today's episode is all about working smart and communicating clearly. My guest is Paula Rizzo, and she is the founder and CEO of List Producer. She's also a best-selling author and a Emmy Award-winning TV producer. She's also a fellow LinkedIn Learning Instructor, and I'm so excited to have her come on so we can talk about all things communicating clearly and succinctly, while also thinking about being more productive and working smart. Because the one thing we know is true, time is valuable. So how can we marry the two? How can we think about using our time as well as communicating our ideas so people listen? If you're ready, let's get into it. Hello, Paula. Hello. Thank you for having me. So glad you are here. Just so you know, we have over 120 folks literally dialed in right now. I love it. Hello, everybody. Thanks for coming. So I did a quick intro about you, Paula, but please let the audience know who you are and the work you do. Sure. So I am an Emmy award-winning television producer. Uh, I spent many, many years in TV, close to two decades producing uh, all kinds of things. You know, I was worked in local news in New York City for a very, very long time. And then I was a senior health producer at Fox News Channel for over a decade. So I produced all of their health and wellness content. Uh, and while I was there, I wrote a book uh, called Listful Thinking, which is all about using lists to be more productive and highly successful and less stressed and all those good things. And uh, I've gone on to write a second book, Listful Living. And uh, I do a lot of media training and coaching and helping people to articulate what they know on camera, uh, whether that be in the media or even on a Zoom call. You know, you never know these days when when those skills are going to come up. The pandemic has changed it all for us. And isn't it so interesting because, you know, we both share a background in media. And initially, it's like, oh, okay, media training. But because, you know, two, three years ago, when all of us were working remote, what is media training? It's essentially talking to a camera, right? It is. It's the same skill. And it's hard because, you know, you're used to being in person with somebody. Uh, You're used to being able to tell by their facial cues if your story is funny, uh, if they're really connecting with you. And so you have to do it sort of into the void. But, you know, from the TV world, that's what we did all the time. You know, there's a huge audience back there that we're never seeing. There's millions of people hopefully watching our shows that we never saw. We didn't even know that they, you know, they, they felt more connected to us and right. to our anchors and to our reporters because they saw them come into their houses every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so we sort of, for us, I think I really took that uh, for granted because I didn't realize how unnatural talking to a camera would be for other people. Yeah, it really is. I mean, when I started out as a reporter many years ago, and here's the funny thing, I I didn't even go to journalism school. I actually just learned it on the job. But it's like suddenly it's like they tell you, treat your camera. And this is for everybody who ever does remote work. Treat your camera as if it's really somebody there. And it's so hard to think about it that way, especially in the beginning, because you're like, 
I'm just talking to a device. But Definitely. no, you can't think of it that way. It's like you're think of it as like your mom, your friend, or somebody who's there, right? That's that's that was always the media advice that we always got to. Yeah, absolutely. Treat it. I always say that too to my to my clients. Treat it like it's a person. You know, it, it's it's uh you know somebody needs the message that you're saying right now. You know, don't underestimate how much uh, the the audience needs what you're saying. So you have to be of service to them. Totally. So I want to just kick off this conversation, Paula. And for those who are just joining, again, welcome. Uh, Natalie, I see your question. Will these be accessible on demand? Yes, this will all be accessible uh, after the event ends. So the fact that you're here, you have this link, you can rewatch this anytime you want. So Paula, let's start talking about working smart and communicating clearly. And I actually want to start with what you know. You talk about lists, productivity. So I feel like that is more in the category of working smart. So what are some tips that you can give our audience, the over 140 of you all who are here right now, what are some tips you can give them on how they can think about working more smart? Yes. Well, having a plan. So this is, you know, the producer in me, the TV producer. We're always out of plan, right? Five o'clock news didn't just happen. We set it up to make sure that it was set up for success, you know? Uh, and so to have the plan beforehand. So I make a list every night before I leave my desk. I did this as a TV producer. I do this now as a business owner. I have the list here with me now. Uh, so every night before I leave the desk, I think about what are the things that I have the time and the resources to do tomorrow. So that's really important because a lot of times people will make a list that is unattainable. That is basically a bucket list. That is all the things you think you should do and all the things that you would love to do, but not the things that you actually have the time and the resources to do. And that's important because you want to make sure that you're putting things on there that you can actually do, right? And so I time myself a lot. Like we come from the TV world. You know what 30 seconds feels like. You know what a minute feels like, right? Most people don't think in seconds, but I would love for you to try because it does help you to sort of have a different understanding with time uh, and understand how much can you actually get done in five minutes, in 10 minutes. Set a timer and time yourself and say, does it really take me 15 minutes to go through these emails, or does it really just take me five minutes and I just procrastinate for the first 10? Knowing that about yourself will change the way that you use lists because then you'll be able to really go to the list and say, okay, well, I know that in the morning I can get this, this, and this done rather than, oh, I'd love to get those things done. So it really mm -hmm. is about, you know, learning yourself a bit and understanding time in a different way. It's funny because I feel like because we both started in TV, you get so conscious of time because like you mentioned earlier, you're working up against these really tight deadlines. And for some of us in the working world, I mean, chances are we all have deadlines that we have to meet. We have a project that our team, our manager gave us and we have a deadline. But I get what you're saying, Paula. It's so easy for us to get so distracted. You mentioned email. It could be a quick email that you're writing, but suddenly you're like, oh, let me check my phone. Oh, I got that ping. I got that notification. And suddenly you're still in your, you know, outlook typing that same email 30 minutes later, right? So I feel like what has actually helped me is being very intentional, mm -hmm. right? Just being very intentional. And it's really a mind shift, being very intentional about thinking, okay, I really cannot allow other distractions to pull me away. I need to just sit here and sometimes depending on the work you do, even turning off the internet or just making things offline, that can be a quick way to just focus for that 30 minutes. Because again, if we're talking about productivity and Paula, you're really the expert here, 
it's trying to minimize those distractions, right? Yes, absolutely. And you're a big distraction for yourself, you know, <laughs> because you just like, you. it's very difficult to, to keep any of the distractions away. You know, I mean, we have a million things that we could be doing other than what the thing we're supposed to be doing is, you know? True. And so what I do too is sometimes I'll set a mantra for myself of the thing I need to do, right to Jessica, write to Jessica. I'll say it out loud. I'll write it down on my paper, even if it's there so that I connect with that to do in a different way. It's not just something that's like out in the ether. I'm like, no, no, this is what I'm actually doing. You really have to put blinders on yourself to get the task done. That's why, you know, setting an alarm really helps too, or mm -hmm. setting a, you know, a, a timer because you know, you're against the clock. It's like, I'm giving myself five minutes right now to write to Jessica. That's it. I and and you have to practice that. It's not easy. It feels like, oh, this is so silly, but it really is true. You're going to be distracted and start doing something else, and it actually takes you 26 minutes to get back on track after you get distracted. So, you want to wow. make sure that you're either in the zone or what I do is I have a distraction placeholder on my to-do list. So, on my list at the bottom uh, left-hand corner. You can put it wherever you want it, but that's where mine is. If I get distracted when I'm in the middle of doing something, I try to take like a breath, like one breath before I go and then get distracted, you know? So I hear the thing or I hear the alarm or I hear somebody at the door, whatever it is. I'll stop myself and I'll write down what I'm in the middle of doing. Email to Jessica. And then I'll go and I'll get distracted and I'll go do whatever it is that somebody else wants me to do. And then I come back to my desk and I'm like, well, what was I in the middle of doing? And, you know, 47 new emails have come through and something else is pinging and there's this and this and that. And, and I know exactly what I was doing. Oh, I go to my distraction placeholder and I'm like, oh, I was writing an email to Jessica. Let me do that first. That's great advice, right? Because sometimes you'll get distracted, you'll walk away and you'll come back and you'll, you, you might have just forgotten what it was that you were doing, right? You definitely will. Yes. <laughs> I can totally relate. I mean, I have a 11th month old at home and I can hear him half the time, even though I have my office door closed. And you know, like as a mom, you hear your baby, you know, scream or cry. You're yeah. instinctively, you get up, you want to go. Right. But it's like, there's been so many times where I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got to, you know, Yes, I get it. <laughs> it's about being mindful in that moment. You know, I mean, I, I covered health news for a very, very long time. So it's like all the meditation, mm -hmm. all the yoga, all the stuff that I did segments on for years. It's really coming in handy, you know, in my work uh, because it does it does help. You don't have to jump right at that second. Like give yourself a breath and then you can move on. Fantastic tip. And this is, these are universal tips, regardless of whatever industry you are in, wherever it is you're dialing from, or whatever level you are in right now. I think being productive is something all of us should be thinking about on a regular basis because time is so valuable. We only have a certain amount of time every single day. How can we maximize it? So I want to shift now to the communications part because this is something that, of course, I'm so passionate about. I love helping folks feel more confident in their communications. Cause I like, like I mentioned earlier, I was not that person. I never even thought I could be on a platform like this, sharing, communicating my thoughts, because I was again, always that like, Oh, well, people want to hear what I have to say. Am I speaking clearly? Right. But you know, fortunately through many years of speaking, you kind of start to see a formula of what works. So Paulo, so you, so for those who are curious about so I used to be a reporter Paula used to be a producer so us reporters we would be the ones kind of going out and we would be the ones interviewing folks you know being out but Paula you were always 
I mean, would you consider yourself kind of behind the scenes manning everything or how would you describe it? Yeah, definitely. I worked in the control room for a very, very long time. So during the live show, the reporters are out in the field getting Mm -hmm. their stories and the producer has to make sure all of the reporters are out there getting the stories done and the anchors are saying what they need to be saying. So it really is, you know, this dance and this coordination of the entire show, making sure the show runs on time, the commercials run when they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of coordination all at once. Uh, And it's exciting, but it's very stressful. I mean, that's a really stressful environment, you know, whether you're in the field or you're uh, in the studio for sure. And, and being able to communicate is very important, (laughs) you know, getting, getting your message across very quickly to make Mm -hmm. sure that the show gets on the air the way that it does, uh, you know, being very succinct. And when you watch TV, you see how it is, right? You know, when you when you watch or you hear an anchor speaking, they're speaking very, very clearly and to mm-hmm. the point. Mm-hmm. And that is very much, you know, the writing. I mean, I, I went to school for journalism, for broadcast journalism, and they, you know, teach you to write like you speak yep. so that you are very, very clear and to the point. Now, most people do not write like that. And so if you're asking somebody, oh, you know, write a speech, you know, they're going to do it the way that they were taught to write a book report in college. And it is not the same as being able to grab attention at the beginning Mm -hmm. and have a headline and be able to say, okay, here's the headline. Here's my opinion really fast. And then here's all the supporting evidence underneath it. Most people don't speak that way because they're not trained to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in the TV industry, that's what you do because you have 30 seconds to tell the story. So you don't have any more time. (laughs) So to get folks in this mindset, because I do think even though Paula and I are talking about TV, I think this is very relevant to anybody working. It's really how can you communicate more succinctly? And what you mentioned earlier, and I just want to reiterate this, you know, a lot of people, they don't think about writing things the way they speak. They either, like you said, they write it in a very, um, you know, educational way, whatever it is that they were learned and taught in school, or they write the way they think, which also is not very good when it comes to communications. Because oftentimes, when we think about things, we are, you know, there's a lot of thoughts going in, right? Around circles, you're thinking, right? But that doesn't necessarily translate into good speaking communications, right? So it doesn't mean that, you know, you shouldn't do it. Sometimes if I'm in the process of, for example, putting together a new um, speaking engagement topic, right? I'm thinking about this topic and how I want to teach folks this. So initially my first draft, right? My first draft is very messy. It's very long, but through time you have to siphon out what really matters. And then you go back in and then you're thinking, okay, how do I want to say this? And you try to keep it conversational, not dense. Mm -hmm. Paula, any other tips you can share with folks? Yeah. I, I mean, the way I teach it with my media training clients is something I call the accordion method. And so it's to have a short a medium and a long answer for everything that you're going to be asked so that you can open and close the accordion accordingly if you have to. So like, for instance, you know, people will ask me, you know, why did you write a book about lists? So my short answer is lists changed my life. And then if I have more time, I open up my accordion and then I'm able to say, you know, I was working TV and I was very efficient, but at home I was letting things fall through the cracks and I was disorganized and didn't feel like myself. And then if I have more time, I open the accordion even more and I get to say, you know, every night before I leave my desk, I create a to-do list for the next day so I can hit the ground running when I come in. 
So I'm able to sort of pull along the story, but I have a headline to capture people in the beginning and intrigue them to say, oh, well, let's change your life. How do they change your life? Uh, you know, and be able to talk in, in sound bites, really. I mean, that's what you learn in TV is mm -hmm. to be able to speak really fast. And when you think about it, you know, people are distracted too. They don't hear everything that you're saying. So you really need to make an impact from the very, very beginning. I think for those who are watching, it's also, you know, listening to Paula and I talk, like I think Paula and I are also very conscious of the way we communicate too because of our background in TV. So for those who are trying to understand what we are we're saying, just listen to even the way Paula and I are talking. We are trying to keep it very succinct to the point. And most importantly, we want to make sure that you all who are listening right now are taking something away from what we're saying. Like, even though this is a conversation between both of us, it's really a time for you all to think about communications as well. So Paula, because you are a producer, you have, you got to see tons of people out, reporters, anchors, you know, communicate essentially. Yeah. I'm curious and I'll share my thoughts too. How did you differentiate or in your opinion, what would you say made people better communicators versus not better communicators because you got to interview tons of people too, meet tons of people. What differentiated good communicators with not, not good communicators? Well, it is about also understanding the audience who is going to receive the message, right? So who is it on the other end of the Zoom call? Who is on the other end of the TV, you know, uh, camera, whatever it is. And what do they need to hear? Not what do you want to say? It's like, what do they actually really need? And that, you know, that depends. And, and I think for, for anyone who's a communicator, that's the first thing. It's like, who's listening? Who are you talking to? That's really important. And also, you know, are you being of service? I've always thought of, you know, media as a public service. Mm -hmm. And so are, are the things that you're saying going to help someone else? Is this going to be something that they need to know? Or is this just sort of like, a nah, you know, this is, this is an interesting fact. But to give that information up front and be able to make sure that people know like, hey, this is really important. That's why I'm saying it first makes a big difference always tailor your communications to what people care about because that is how you can earn their ear. That's that's exactly what I say too. And then from a communications perspective, and this is because this is what I teach, people are like, okay, but how? Like, what do I say, right? Mm. And I think a lot of what I say with folks is think about it from instead of a me, you want to think about it to a we. So a lot of times when we are communicating, for example, um, something great that we did, We'll say, I did this really great thing and I'm so happy about it. You know, how amazing is this, right? That's just a very natural thing to say. But I always say, yes, it's important to talk about your accomplishments, but how can you switch it to a mean, a we mentality? Mm. You can say, oh, all of us together as a team, it was such a great team effort, right? Using more of those we words. And honestly, it doesn't diminish the value, the accomplishment that you did. If anything, those who are listening will be able to see like, oh, wow, Jessica really has this, Paula has this really great team mentality, right? And I think it's really subtle communication tactics like this that can really form an impression on somebody of like, oh, wow, is this person just thinking about themselves or are they always thinking about the team? And it's this difference between me and we. And that's kind of like one tactical thing I like to always tell folks. I love that. Yeah. And, and it's a very nice way to be inclusive of everyone on your team, right? You don't want to be the one who's like, I do everything. No, you don't. We all know you don't. So, <laughs> <laughs> so okay, Paula. So we have over 130 people who are on right now. Awesome. And honestly, for those who are watching, please throw your questions into the chat. 
Paula and I are here because we want to answer any questions that you have in regards to working smartly, communicating clearly. In fact, there's a question right now, Paula, that I do want to bring up. And I'm just going to paraphrase what this person said. And if, if I paraphrased it wrong, please throw it or you know correct it in the chat function. But I think this person essentially is saying that, you know, what do we do if we are trying to communicate well, communicate nicely to somebody, but they are not responding in a very nice way. They're being very rude about it. How do we approach that when, again, we feel like we are just being nice and they're not? What, what, yeah. what would you do, Paula? Oh, I feel you. This is tough, right? Uh, well, I mean, this is the same thing f with media training. When someone is asked a question they don't want to answer, they don't know the answer to, uh, or they want to deflect. It's basically what you do is that you say something that you do know, right? So you're able to say like, here's what I think about that topic and then move along to something else, right? So to be able to deflect and move on. So if they're like getting combative and they won't stop, you have to sort of say something else that you do want to talk about and move the conversation along. It's difficult uh, and some people get the hint and some people don't get the hint, but hopefully it'll, it'll allow you to kind of like move along gracefully and not get stuck in the back and forth of something kind of uncomfortable and ugly. Totally. And one thing I always remind folks is, you know, it's hard, I get it, but try not to take things always so personally, right? Mm -hmm. And trust me, I used to think about this, like, oh, what did I do wrong? Or, you know, you always think like, oh, it's something I did, right? But, you know, maybe somebody's just having bad day mm. or maybe there's just a communications friction. That's another thing I call it, right? Because somebody's being rude, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be rude, right? Like, you know, again, maybe separating the two, but I get it. It's sometimes hard not to take things personally, but I think if we're thinking about how to be, you know, very clear, it's always about separating the two and just trying to be mindful. And if you are constantly still feeling like, okay, this person is just not very nice, just step away, right? Say, yeah. I can't have this conversation right now, or let's, let's reconvene tomorrow and we can continue this conversation, right? And sometimes it takes you being the one to call it out. And that is mm -hmm. perfectly okay. Just you have to make sure that let's say if they're raising their voice, you're not necessarily raising your voice. You want to be essentially the bigger person. So that's my tip on this. Um, okay. I want to, uh, we are getting a lot of great questions actually. So let me pull up another question from sure. um, one of our member or viewers here. So some people want a straight, clear answer and others want context at work. Mm. Mm, this is a good one. How do you achieve that balance? And I think of it as what we were just talking about, Paula. It's like, do we go long? Do we yeah. go short? Right? Like, how? what's this balance here? Yeah, it is. Well, how much time do you have? Right? Um, <laughs> but also, I would think I would think that you do need a headline, right? For the people who need, like, just give it to me straight. Like, that's me. I'm the person who's like, just tell me what it is. Right? And so you do need that. And then you need a little bit of evidence to back it up. So think about, like, what are my examples? So if you do use the accordion method, it's, it's a great way to think of this and answer this question is to say, okay, what is the headline? What is the overarching theme? What is the thing that everybody needs to know so that you get that message across to everybody and then give them one or two quick examples, right? Um, a lot of times people think, uh, you know, that they'll be great when they start presenting this. Oh, I know my stuff. You have to practice. So that's another thing is to be able to say, okay, I'm going into this meeting. I have to present this thing. Say it out loud. Hear yourself say the words, record yourself on video, record yourself an audio and just hear it and say, does it connect? Does that make sense? Is that something that 
it, it, people will actually get value out of. Mm -hmm. it, it takes a lot of work sometimes to get the perfectly crafted answer. Not everybody will be able to just do it on the fly. And that's okay. It's very difficult to do that. I have two tips for this question. The first one is, it's going to sound funny, but it's so important. It's also being able to read the room too, yeah. right? You know, you don't want to be the kind of person who, and trust me, I'm sure all of us have seen this, where somebody just goes on and on and on. And then everybody's eyes starts glazing through. And it's yeah. because that person has lost their audience. Their audience can be just their manager. It can be the team. So you want to be good at just reading the room, right? Like, what are you seeing people are reacting? And trust me, you can see a lot through body language and, and what are people doing. Are they starting to pick up their phones? Are they starting to look away? Like, these are probably cues that, hmm, maybe you want to start tightening up, like, what it is that you want to say, right? And the second thing is, it goes back to what we, Paula, you and I were initially talking about, is just making sure that whatever it is that you're saying, long or short, always remembering audience first. What does this person, what does this team, what does this group of people, stakeholders, what do they care about? And if you can always keep that in mind and tailor your conversations to them, the chances of losing them goes down significantly. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else I'm missing, Paula, or is that no, I think you got it. Those are those are great things to try, you know, at least to see and see, does it make a difference? Yes. Another question. This is from Emily. By the way, Emily, I love that you bolded question. That definitely got my attention. I was like, oh, yes, here's another question. Okay. Emily's question is, so crucial communication elements are nonverbal cues and tone. Yes, that's absolutely right, Emily. How do you develop these communication aspects, particularly in a remote aspect? So video um, or call like on the phone. So mm -hmm. how do we observe these things? And this actually goes into what I was just saying. What do we do when we're not in the room? Uh, Paula, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, it, it is difficult, right? When you're not, you're not hearing them, you're not seeing them, you're, you know. Uh, the idea here is that you do have to present in a way that will, you know, uh, make sure that the message is heard. Right. So you can't match your energy to the person because they're not there. So you have to bring the energy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I often tell my clients to fill the room with the sound of your voice. And it feels insane at first because you're like, but it's just me in this room. But when you do that, you're elevating your energy levels. And, you know, it, it, it may make you feel like, oh, gosh, I feel like a used car salesman. But it doesn't look that way. Mm -hmm. On the receiving end, it looks like you're engaged and you're passionate about what you're talking about. So to be able to use that and to try it, just try it and see how it feels. Uh, you know, I, it, it really does make a difference because the camera does pull some of the energy away from you for sure. Yeah. And the same thing on the phone, right? You know, people might not uh, hear you as well or you, you could be just kind of monotone, but to really bring that energy and just really speaking up a little bit louder will help you to do that. Projection, projection, projection. And I think it's something that not a lot of people think about. A lot of times we just instinctively are like, you know, we just jump on and be like, hey, everybody, right? But really, we all have that power to change the energy of a room, whether it's on a video call or on a phone call. Imagine how it would feel if the person you were calling, they picked up the phone and they said, hey, Paula, how's it going? Versus, hi, Paula, how are you doing? Right? There's just like a whole different vibe. And really, I mean, personally, if I'm getting on the phone with somebody and they have that excited, happy, positive energy, 
through projection, projecting their voice, it makes me on the other side be like, okay, I'm actually really excited to get into this conversation with this person. And I get it. If, if projecting and, you know, speaking a little louder is not something you're comfortable with, practice, right? Yeah. Um, I know, you know, we we learn this a lot in TV, right? Projecting your voice, having that executive presence. But these are skills that are learnable. You can absolutely learn these things. And just thinking about speaking a little louder, not screaming, right? There's like a fine balance, but projecting. So the other side of the room can hear you. That is part of communications energy. And I think that's really, really important for people to gravitate towards you too. So um, Mary, have a question. And I think this is a really good one. And this is also a very timely question. We've all seen the news of, you know, there's a lot of like layoffs happening. A lot of people are very, are feeling very scared about what their job situation. So perhaps maybe you may be looking for a new job or, um, you know, you're looking for a new job. So Mary has a question. I just had my first round of interviews for a new company. So congratulations, Mary. Besides focusing on what they want to hear from me, how else can I present myself so I am unique from other applicants? So great question, Mary. And I think this is a very, uh, well, Paul, let me just throw it to you first. Do you have any thoughts on how can somebody stand out from what is probably a very competitive job market where I'm sure the hiring manager is interviewing few people? Yes. And they're going from interview to interview to interview and everybody kind of blends in and they're exactly the same at the end of the day. Right. And they're like, oh, I don't even remember who I spoke to or who is what. So you want to give them something memorable. So maybe there's a story that you tell or some kind of connection that you can make to the company that will really stick in their mind. You know, something that you've thought about prior to that so that you can really stand out and have something that they're like, oh, yeah, that's the one who told the story about the gummy bears or whatever. You know what I mean? So that there's something there that will really, you know, engage. But also I would say, you know, connection with the person, you know, being comfortable, understanding that the person is a person too, right? I think this is what happens a lot of times in TV with reporters and with, with anchors, you know, people don't look at them as people and, and the same for, you know, producers. It's like, they look at us as people who will help them get on TV. That's it. Like we're real people back here. You know what I mean? We're tired too. We don't, you know, we didn't get any sleep last night, whatever. Um, but if you can connect on a personal level, that's something that people remember, you know, that's something that, that, that people will, uh, you know, gravitate towards somebody who has empathy, somebody who's there like, Hey, you know, I'm sure you're doing a lot of these and you know, I, I don't know, something, something that will really make you, um, um, memorable is, is, but you have to kind of think about it ahead of time. It's hard sometimes to do those things on the fly. If it happens, great, but think about how you could, how you could do that. What do you think, Jessica? I think you literally hit the nail right on the head. I think building relatability, building connections is really how you can differentiate yourself because the truth is this hiring manager is probably asking the same questions to every single applicant, right? They're probably just going through the list of things that they have to do. But if they feel like, oh, I actually really like Paula. I actually really like Jessica. That sets you apart because now when they see your name, they're not going to just be thinking, oh, it's just a name. It's like, oh, I remember that conversation. How did that person make me feel? Oh, that person was very engaging, right? And I think that's something that all of us have the ability to do regardless of experience, right? So the question is how, right? So even though they are asking you the questions, there will probably be a time at the end of the interview where they may ask, do you have any questions, right? 
That's usually the very final yeah. question. Like, is there any questions that I can answer for you? And that is the perfect moment for you to be like, well, I'm curious, you know, like how long have you been at this company for, right? Like, what do you enjoy about working for X company, right? I think that is perfectly okay. And you do it in a very like, you know, engaging way, like a very curious way. Like, what do you like about working at this company? I'd love to learn more uh, or asking about the company culture, right? Asking these questions can really help you stand out that maybe other applicants are not asking, right? Um, if, if you are worried or you're scared, you're going to forget writing these questions down at the end or before your interview is a great way to remind yourself, okay, don't just like end the conversation there. Build connection because Paul, as you mentioned, it's somebody else on the other side. They have likes, they have dislikes, they probably have, you know, they have a family, friends, like they have things that they care about, they don't like, right? So it's like trying to understand and connect with them on a human level. That's what people gravitate towards. Yeah, definitely. And also I would say too, you know, now that people are working from home or have remote offices, you know, sometimes you can tell a little bit about their personality by what's behind them. You know, if they have some artwork, you can say, oh, did you paint that? Or, oh, I love that author. Or I love that whatever book or whatever. You know, if you see something there, they want you to see it. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a reason they set it up that way. True. And that's actually what I always tell folks, like, you know, whatever you show behind you, it, it's it's strategic, right? It's yeah. a great conversational starter. It's telling something about you, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, try to avoid the messy stuff behind you because, you know, if you have a pile of dirty laundry, trust me, people are wondering, that's why is there a pile of dirty laundry? That says something about you too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there was another question that somebody was asking. It was more about, you know, public speaking mm -hmm. and how can people... Get rid of those public speaking nerves. And I'll, I'll go first for this question because public speaking was something that I had to do all the time, especially on TV. The way I think about public speaking is kind of like what we were talking about earlier. It's I don't think of it, and I don't think any of us should think of it as, oh, I'm speaking to a crowd of people. Mm. And this has really stayed with me from the very beginning um, when I was a journalist. It's every time I'm talking to a group of people, I'm trying to just think about that one person, just one person who's listening to me. And I feel like that really humanizes the experience because sometimes when you think, oh my gosh, I'm talking to this crowd or this room full of people, it can make you feel very disconnected. But if you think, oh, I'm just talking to Paula who's sitting right here in front of me. Yes, there's other people behind her, but Paula, she's right here. Let me just try to talk to her. Right. And I think that can ease a lot of the anxiety. But Paula, any any advice on your end? Public speaking anxiety. Also to know where you're speaking. I think that's helpful to sort of like, you know, when you're little and you're like, oh, I just want to see my classroom before I go, you know, the, before the first day of school. So I see where the classroom is and you feel better about it. It's the same thing with public speaking. You want to know what does the stage look like? What what you know, what's the background like? Same thing for TV. If you're going to be doing an interview, where is this happening? Right. Are you going to be doing it from home or are you going to be doing it on a stage? What does it look like? That helps to get some of the fear out of the unknown. Mm -hmm. And then also, you know, practice, of course, practicing what you're going to say. Practicing your first line over and over and over again and having that in your head is really helpful. I never tell people to memorize because if you memorize completely and then you falter, it could have the whole thing 
you know, come, come crashing down, but at least to know your first few words that you're going to say is really, really helpful. And then having those bullet points in your mind of what you're going to say next. Um, and then I would also say doing some breathing exercises before you go on, on stage. Uh, I like to do something called box breathing, which actually the Navy SEALs also use before they go into a stressful, uh, environment. And it's called box breathing because it literally makes a box. So you breathe in for four, you hold for four, you breathe out for four, and then you start over. So it makes a little box as you do that. And that is something that you can do literally even at the end of your day when you're like, okay, I'm going to shut down my office and I'm going to go into my life. And that way you have sort of like a transition moment. I love that. What is it called? The box, 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 box breathing. breathing. Mm-hmm. That is great advice. I should probably just like put a post note boxed brain. Yeah, just, just make a little mind. box and put little fours next to it. And you'll just know four, 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 four. We cannot underestimate the power of breathing well, like just deep breaths, right? It, it really, really just kind of helps you reset from time to time. So there is a Sharon here. She actually has a question for you, Paula. So okay. she was saying, Paula, I loved what you shared about thinking of headlines and sound bites. What makes a good headline? Hmm. Is there a framework we can use to come up with a good soundbite? Okay. So in journalism school, they teach you who, what, where, when, why, and how, right? Those are the big, uh, and so I, I always think about like, what is the most important thing that if people only heard me say this one sentence, they would take something away. And that feels like a tall order, but it's really not because if you think about it, when you read a newspaper, when you look at a magazine, when you hear a headline or a tease on TV for a, a newscast, like they're doing it all day and you're engaging with, you're like, oh, I've got to watch that. Oh, that's really interesting. You know, to be able to tell things in one line is it's a skill, but at the same time, we're used to it. We're hearing it. You just weren't no noticing that you, that you were, mm -hmm. were hearing it so much, you know? So now just start thinking in that way and say, okay, what is the most important thing if the person only heard this one sentence and start with that? I would say, just think back to what was it about whatever it is you want to communicate that wowed you, that surprised mm -hmm. you, whatever that is, start with that when delivering what it is that you want to say. Because chances are, what surprised you, what wowed you, whatever it was that exude emotions out of you, even it, frustration, sadness, right? Whatever emotion, starting and leading with that can really capture the other person's attention. And I think when it comes to speaking in sound bites, so the idea with sound bites is it's like short and punchy, right? You're, you're getting to the point quickly. That's the, that's the definition of, of sound bites. If you can tailor your message to lead with that emotion, people will be like, oh, curious. They yeah. want to know. And then you can then dive into more of the explanation, which goes back to your accordion method of like having that short, medium, and large, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing as having um, an elevator pitch. I know we didn't talk too much about that, but, you know, have you all thought about an elevator pitch? An elevator pitch that encompasses you and the work that you do. And going with your analogy, Paula, it's the same thing. You want to have an elevator pitch that's both short, medium, and long, right? And this isn't just for interviews. This is just for everyday life, right? When yeah. you're meeting people for the first time, oh, what do you do? Or, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. These questions will come up from time to time. Are you prepared to answer that question? I think that's something that we should all think about. And let me actually just make this into a question that we can talk about, Paula. Have you thought about an elevator pitch yourself? Like, you know, how do you even go about like structuring an elevator pitch? Like, 
how, how important has it been for you? Well, it does change depending on who I'm talking to, right? Like who you're in the room with, what their experiences are. If you don't know who they are, you know, if you don't know who they are, then that, that, that's like, okay, now they need the full overview, you know? Um, but if it's somebody, you know, who's, who's, who's another author, that's different. So again, who is your audience? Uh, what do they need to know? And what will they remember? That's the thing. So often people will go through their whole resume and it's like, nobody cares about all of that. Like, it does not matter. I know that you're very happy that you have that accomplishment. I totally get it. Uh, you know, I, I media trained for a long time um, doctors, you know, and I worked obviously in TV news and I, I interviewed tons and tons of doctors. I'm like, we get it. You're the smartest person in the room right now. You created this thing. You did this study on that or whatever. And so you don't need to tell me about all the credentials that you have. Just tell me why this is changing someone's life, right? What is in it for them? So thinking about that too is, is you know, how can you tailor what you're saying to whatever it is that, that you're doing? And it might change, you know, one day I might say I'm an author. The next day I'll say oh, I'm a media trainer, depending on where I am, you know? Uh, and so it really, it, it matters. Um, but don't feel like you have to be memorizing it. Like, I think that's what really scares people is that they think, oh, I don't have it. I don't know. And it's like, just be human, you know, be able to have a conversation with somebody. I love that because I've worked with so many people on developing their elevator pitches. And initially we will write it out, right? Because sure. it's, a thought, it's a thought process. And then I'll have them, okay, tell me about yourself. I'll ask them that question. And then they'll start, like you just said, They'll try to like say everything that was just written, but it's like, no, it's like we wrote it down because you want to perhaps hit on these points if you feel like it's right. There is no necessarily right way to give an elevator pitch. It's really reading the room, knowing and understanding, okay, what does this person care about because they're in this industry and then pulling out from your experience what it is that you want to highlight. That is what can make your elevator pitch stand out. So at this point, everybody, we have been talking, oh my gosh, the time has just flown on. So I was just looking at the time and I was just like, oh my gosh, it's already <laughs> 48. So we, Paul, you and I have been chatting for the last like 40 or so minutes. And I'm so glad you are here. And um, as we wrap up here, by the way, I know there are several questions that we did not get to. So, I mean, feel free to message me or, or Paula if, if you're open to it. Like, we will be sure. happy to answer any questions that you have, which, by the way, I want to let everybody know. If you see it on your screen, we have our VIP communications pass. Essentially, that is, we we do these Soulcast Media Lives every two weeks or so. My guests and I, we always talk about tons of things. So, for those who are wondering, oh, my gosh, I didn't have time to take down all the notes. We do it for you. So check out the VIP pass. You can see it on your screen. It's a QR code. But Paula, as we wrap up here, any final thoughts for folks who are really trying to understand this? How can I work more smart? How can I communicate more clearly? Do you have any final tips for folks as we start to close up here? Well, for both, it is a work in progress. And so you have to be kind to yourself because you have to learn as you go and you have to test out. Do I like writing my list like this? Do I like starting my morning like that? Do I like to do you know this type of prep before I speak? There's a lot of trial and error that has to happen with everything that we talked about today. And it's about being kind to yourself, trying it out, saying, does that work? Is that helpful? And if it is, you go with it. And if it's not, switch it up a little bit and, and you can, you know, start to find the method that really works perfectly for you. Because too often people say like, this is the only way to do this. And the truth is we're all so individual that that might not work for everybody. These are all guidelines that you can sort of take and tweak and change so that it works specifically for you. 
And I think a lot of us had to adapt, especially a few years ago when yeah. our working environment completely changed. Like maybe the way that we used to work going into the office, we had our routine, right? Every day. And then suddenly we had to work from home and then we had to figure out at that time, a lot of people were calling it the new normal, right? Mm. Like your new normal is now different. So I think like what you're saying, it's, and I think it's really a mindset. And I think that's kind of what I hope everybody can kind of walk away with here today. You know, everything that we talked about is really, it really starts with having that mindset of wanting to learn, wanting to grow, wanting to improve. And I will say, I'm sure everybody who is here wants to learn, improve and grow. And these are the people who I love talking to. Like I, I love engaging with people who are wanting to continuously up level. So honestly, the fact that you are all here and you're staying and listening to some of the tips Paul and I are, are sharing with you all, we feel so honored that you are here thinking about, hmm, how can I improve my working life? How can I improve myself? So I guess some of the last tips that I'd like to share with folks is I want to give people this, you know, this inspirational idea of, hey, communications, because that's part of our topic today. It's absolutely something that all of us can learn. I mentioned earlier, it's not something I was good at, but I really think communicating well is one of those skills that goes with you wherever you go, personally and professionally. So if communications has been something that you've been wanting to level up, finding different ways to help you do that. And people who feel worried or scared about public speaking, for example, I would actually say volunteer to speak up at certain events, because the more you do it, the better it is that you will be. So Paul, is there any other, I like to call them golden nuggets you'd like to share with folks as they kind of end? Yeah. I mean, it really is practice. And I know people say practice makes perfect. Practice doesn't necessarily make perfect. It makes you better. Right. And so, you you know, just to, to practice, to say things out loud, I think that's a big deal. When you say it in your head, it is not the same as saying it out loud. I mean, it literally in TV newsrooms all over the world right now, people are typing and reading out loud to hear what does that sound like when someone says it. So the same thing when you're preparing anything that you're going to say, say it out loud. How does it sound? Is it hard to say that word? Then don't say that word. Switch to a different word, right? Yes. Reading out loud. Oh my gosh. That should be everybody's like top tip. I hope if everybody walked away today, just read the things that you're writing out loud because you'll realize, hmm, I did not need all those, you know, hedging words in my email or, you know, I didn't need all those things or even honestly, there's, yeah, truly, there's so much value in saying things out loud. It's a good way to practice also your communications. Okay. Paula, how can people find you? Where can they find you if they want to get in contact with you? Sure. So if you go to paularizzo.com slash lists, you can pick up my list making starter kit and stay in touch with me. I'm a LinkedIn learning instructor, as you mentioned. So you can check out my courses on LinkedIn learning, of course. And, you know, I'm here on LinkedIn. So follow me. I'm always sharing things, whether it be about productivity or media or video or how to get your message out there. Uh, and, uh, and books. I love books. So I share a lot about books, too. <laughs> I love that. So Paula, thank you so much. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're inspired to begin improving your communications confidence, well, we'd love to help. Join our monthly communications membership where I teach a brand new communications workshop every single month. Or become a VIP member to access our best communications articles for life. Or maybe... 
get one-on-one coaching with one of our board of communicators. We offer so many ways for you to learn, and it's all housed on our website, soulcastmedia.com. Check it out, and happy communicating.